You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 165, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Philadelphia's Ron Gallo. The songwriter has had quite a crazy few years. He navigated the complicated visa process to get his now-wife and musical collaborator, Chiara Dianziri, over to the States from Italy, and the two got married in early 2020. Subsequently, a massive tornado plowed through Nashville, where they were living at the time, and of course, the pandemic turned the music world upside down. During this time, Gallo launched Really Nice, an entity that acts as an umbrella for several projects, including a series of live-streamed festivals and a clothing line. In addition, Gallo completed work on his third LP, Piecemeal, which dropped last week via New West Records. The album represents a big change stylistically for Gallo. As he branches out from his garage punk DIY roots to explore genres like jazz, hip hop, and pop. During our interview, we chatted about how Gallo's creative relationship with his wife Chiara blossomed, his mindset when recording piecemeal during a period of self isolation why he decided to re-record and re-release All the Punks Are Domesticated as the album's final track, and much more. Oh, and of course, we talked about our shared surname and our strikingly similar Italian-American backgrounds. Ron also picked some awesome records from my record collection, and we talked all about The Promise Ring and Second Wave Emo, and Jonathan Richmond's awesome live performances. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right. Another episode of Look at My Records. I'm Tom Gallo here with Ron Gallo couple of gallows couple of gallows hanging out Bros. talking about music having a good time it's really great to meet you i remember i i live in jersey city i remember before your album heavy meta came out you played in jersey city at this place called south house do you yes. remember that gig i do remember that gig <laughs> um it was very like barbecue joint bar gig kind of thing it's not a place that typically has gigs but i saw you were playing i remember it was a couple of years ago and i was like oh this is cool so then i went <laughs> thank you for being there i think that night we played the same song i think like six times yeah i think we just kept it's a song called please yourself it's a very short song and i think we had a lot of time to fill so i think we played it like six times throughout the night that's the thing i remember memorable night at south house also the 
restaurant that I met my fiance at. We had our first date at. So no shit. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, full circle. Yeah, beautiful. Nice. Very full circle. So. I do want to talk about how we're both gallows to start off the show. Tell me a little bit about your your family background. Where's your family from? I know you're originally from Philly. Are, are your parents from that area too? Yeah, um, South Jersey. Uh, my dad's from Pensalkin, and my mom was actually from Camden. And they both, I think maybe they were, my dad was born in Philly. But yeah, the general area, and they've lived here forever, and I grew up here. Um, and then the roots deeper than that, you know, the true Gallo roots are, are Italian. Yeah. Do you know what part of Italy your family's from? Uh, dad's side from Salerno and mom's yes. from Sicily. Yeah, you too? Dude, totally. Yeah. So I think we're, we're I bet if you go back further and yeah. further, uh, we'd, we'd meet at some point go, going way back. I, I went to Italy for the first time with my, my parents, uh, 2019 and we went to like the town they're from like Salicone Salina which is in the Salerno area and my Whoa. my dad's mother my grandmother on my dad's side is Sicilian so I feel like we kind of got the same roots around there so how about that yo we gotta trace this because we might maybe we're some like distant cousin situation Dude, that would be we both have curly hair you can't really tell right now on me but i do have yeah. super curly hair as well this might be a thing yeah were you were you raised catholic too yes <laughs> man we live in parallel <laughs> here we are all these years later we've reconnected a couple of gallows but it's cool my parents are both from brooklyn and nice. both different neighborhoods of Brooklyn. But it's cool to see Gallo has representation in Philly as well, because I love the city of Philadelphia very much. Me too. And I, I don't know many Gallos. So when you when you find one, it's it's a rarity. Yeah. I'm always happy to meet another Gallo. Mm -hmm. Now that we got the Gallo portion of the interview down pat. Crucial. Tell me about what the last year has been like for you. I know you got married. Congratulations. You. And you were planning on living in Italy with your wife, but there were issues and you had to come back to the States. And then I know in addition to the pandemic, there was this huge tornado in Nashville. And I know you, you lived in Nashville for several years that I think just missed your, your house or yeah. where you live. So what's this last year been like for you take me through that process what you were feeling and just what you were going through well it's definitely been a roller coaster uh every day hour minute is a completely different uh mental state i feel like but chiara and i you know we met in italy where she's from back in summer 2018 and we've been kind of trying to navigate the back and forth in the immigration process but we finally are getting to the end of it so the beginning of last year we got back to the u.s together for the first time legally with a proper visa for her and then uh yeah we had the small wedding we didn't really tell anybody went to a courthouse in mount holly new jersey did the thing came back to nashville to our house for the first time together in a year um because she wasn't allowed to be in the states and yeah we had a really beautiful month and then this day one year ago woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of like a psycho train driving by our window and it was a tornado and it destroyed like a lot of East Nashville where we lived at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then shortly thereafter, um, 
pandemic hit and and began you know what's been i guess our lifestyle for the past year which um in the beginning i got like a weird creative spark in the beginning of the the quarantine period just like kind of just surrendering like i think it was sort of a weird denial acceptance thing with reality where it's just like fuck it i'm just gonna like fall into this and um i started running a digital festival from this uh site and like clothesline i call i started called really nice um so that kind of kept me really busy for the first couple of months of the quarantine period and Thankfully, we had each other and we got this, you know, we had a backyard, so we spent a lot of time outside and kind of just learned how to relax this past year, which was not a common thing for me being in constant motion and touring and just being kind of a restless, neurotic person, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's been, um, it's been mentally taxing. I mean, you know, for all of us, but just kind of like absorbing reality each day and how it's constantly changing and all the chaos, uh, you know, but it's been like, wonderful moments of peace and surrender to like what's happening and then mixed with like you know just rougher days and i think it's been tough for her especially because she transported her whole life across the world into this situation and has not been able to go home she's basically trapped here because of the immigration process so you know and, and when you're with somebody and you're with somebody all the time you you I just kind of absorb what she's going through same with me but we made it and it's put a lot into perspective and that's kind of why i ended up back in philly because it was like you know what we can make decisions for what we feel not like what we need to do with work or our pursuits or whatever so we're like let's just go back to a place we both feel like we like more and here we are today so it's been a mountain but that's great that's cool to hear that you're both back in philadelphia your hometown and piecemeal your wife kiara plays on this record and of course meeting her seemed to really change your life in a lot of ways as it does for many people when they meet their significant other yeah. but si since you're also collaborating now how how does that relationship uh shaped you as a musician and a songwriter she's had a huge influence on me she's a real musician uh you know she comes from a classical background and she plays oh, wow. pretty much everything uh really really well and she knows the ins and outs of music and theory and the, you know from being this little kid playing in orchestras and so that you know she's coming from that world and i'm coming from a self-taught diy playing bands sort of uh faux musician songwriter perspective um and i think we balance each other out in that way it's it's cool yeah totally yeah she teaches me a lot i mean i you know she pushes me to kind of like want to actually learn more um explore things more and then being able to collaborate, I mean, she's ridiculous when it comes to just coming up with melodies or chord progressions or songs on the spot. And when she played on the record, um, everything she did from like singing background vocals, playing bass, she played guitar on some stuff, some keys and synth. She just like would roll up and be like, oh yeah, I'll just play that. I'll just sing that one take. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. You're awesome. But uh, yeah, it's a beautiful, I mean, it's just a, it's a new thing for both of us to be able to like collaborate with the significant other, I guess. It's, it's cool. Yeah, that is very cool. How'd that process play out then? Because I know you originally started writing and recording piecemeal while you, while you were isolated by yourself. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the process of making this record was like me kind of learning how to believe in myself in a weird way, because... 
for so long I was in a band, like I had my set band constantly touring, had a certain way of making records with like a live band in the studio. But now with this one, I was alone. I had no preconceived notion about like what I just experimenting with music. And uh, it, it was interesting because this is the first time on a record where I pretty much played everything, you know, hodgepodge together a bunch of like garage band tracks or things I recorded on my phone, mixed with some studio work in Italy. And yeah, it's, it's sort of, and that's why I call it a piecemeal because it's just a, it's a piecemealed Frankenstein kind of record. And yeah, it was, it was a nice process to just be like, Hey man, you can do this shit yourself. You don't have to rely on, you know, the conventions or what you've normally done in the past. So yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent and really cool record where it's great to see you and your sound continue to evolve because it's such a different sounding record when compared with Heavy Meta and Stardust Birthday Party. I'm curious what led you down this path sonically and what inspired you to make a record that sounds the way that piecemeal does. A lot of it was sort of a breakdown process. Like what I what I traditionally do is I like really absorb something for a period of time, make a record tour, and then I kind of just destroy it and start from scratch. And this is the most intensive of that process I've done because I really was entering into a period of like, I'm putting everything on hold. I'm like pausing on touring. I'm going to disband my band. I'm just going to like live for a minute and then start from complete scratch. And I had never really done that before. And the Sonics just came from me experimenting. I mean, like I love so much more music and identify yeah. with so much more music than what I've kind of put out so far in the garage, punk, new wave kind of realm. Yeah. You know, I love 90s hip hop. I grew up on top 40 radio. I love jazz. I love a lot of pop music. I'm like, I don't need to be afraid to explore that shit just because I'm like garage rock guy, which I'm not. I'm constantly evolving as a person and I think the creativity reflects that. So all of this is just reflection. Be like, what do I really like? What feels genuine? And just do it. And that's kind of where it came from. Like no, no limitation on any of it. And that's it. Letting it all in. Yeah. And I know you produced both of those first two records with your bandmates, and you also produced this record too. So how was the process for this record different uh, compared to those two? The first two were kind of approached with like a live in the band or live band in the studio sort of take. And then overdubbing some guitars and stuff, but like trying to capture that like raw band in a room energy which made sense for that music and i was working with joe who was my bass player at the time who was an engineer and producer so it was you know kind of an insular little collaboration within the band uh but with this it was like me on my own not thinking about a band working with drum machines real drummers mixers mixtures of sound lo-fi stuff hi-fi stuff a little bit in my room a little bit in the studio it was just really liberating. it was free because my whole life I've been like, I rely on other people. I don't trust myself to do this stuff on my own. And this record was kind of breaking that. I'd be like, yeah, maybe you can get to that point where you just, you in a room can make a whole record. That's, that's really cool. And it does sound very liberating. So this was really even beyond, before 
your first two solo records. This was really your first time going into writing and recording a record yourself where you didn't really have a, a mindset or an idea of what you wanted it to sound like. Exactly. Yeah, it was uh, it was just kind of winging it, like experimenting with music. Like today I'll make this and this. And then I started to just kind of see like certain similarities and then it just became what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like the record because it's very eclectic sounding and it's also bright sounding nice. at certain points. There's a couple of really fun sun sunny sounding tracks on there like hide and you are enough but what i also thought was cool was that it kind of emerged out of this darker place for you where you were in self-isolation you had to come back to the united states and you basically worked on this alone completely alone i guess with minimal interaction with others and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> so i was curious about how you were able to, I guess, extract brighter sounding tracks like that out of a period of relative isolation where maybe you would expect something a little darker to come out of those circumstances. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I've always tried to kind of hang on that line between dark and, and humor and light. So I think I've always tried to explore that. But this time around, I I didn't want to sacrifice like the topics of, you know, uh, kind of looking at yourself, addressing like the workings, inner workings of your mind, um, you know, challenging emotional, mental things, you know, kind of like looking in the mirror. Because when you're isolated, that's kind of what you're doing. And it's brutal yeah. sometimes. But while I was making, I was like, it doesn't need to sound like that. There can be, it can kind of be a celebration yeah. of self. Uh, and that's kind of why it sounds so happy while also kind of deconstructing. Um, and, and that's kind of like my sneaky way of, of, uh, <laughs> making it accessible and digestible for people, but also making people kind of think and like work through my shit in like a, you know, happier, sunnier setting. So, yeah. And some of the tracks definitely address something you alluded to the burnout you went through around the middle of 2019 after putting out two records in a short period of time and touring nonstop. And it also seems to build off some of the topics that you get into on the Really Nice Guys EP, where you're talking about industry-related stuff. Uh, take me back to that time where you decided, okay, I've been really going at it super hard for a couple of years and I, I really want to pump the brakes. What was your mindset uh, during that period of time? I just got to a point where I would be in the middle of a tour and wasn't sure if I was going to make it to the end of it. It was really difficult to get on stage and play every night. And I guess it's part of the problem with me where I struggle with if something doesn't feel genuine, it, it feels like there's like a, you know, someone like stomping on my chest. Um, and it got to that point where you, you feel like you're putting it on. You're burned out on yourself, tour, the music. And you feel like you're just kind of like a puppet up there playing the songs, returning to this mindset you were in five, six years ago and having to like pretend. 
and that shit just like grates on your soul yeah um and so yeah it was really really difficult like i i despised all of it like i could be in beautiful places and playing for a beautiful crowd and just was like felt miserable because it just didn't feel genuine and i was just like burnt on just myself and the whole the whole thing and uh yeah and and because of that there was just like kind of a lot of natural crumbling um within the band with with touring and you know kind of led me to this yeah and then on the flip side after you took a, a bit of a break when did you realize that it was the right time for you to come back to making music again and getting back into your your home studio and recording well i guess i was sort of shoved back into it uh a lot quicker than i thought because when our last tour date where i kind of said this is gonna be our last tour date and then it's like hiatus brief brief period of nothingness and uh what happened was i was gonna stay in italy with kiata and like attempt a vacation attempt like a simple quiet life you know wake up eat food quickly derailed by visa stuff and that's when i got sent back to nashville yeah and then i was just in my house and i was like well guess i have no choice uh you know no rest for me and that's when i started making the music that became this record as kind of a way to process all that um you know lift myself up from all of that and uh yeah it was a really awesome fun process i, I learned how to love music again through it yeah and so yeah yeah during that time leading up to that where you were kind of getting frustrated with the industry and the monotony of touring i'm curious because it, it comes out a lot in different songs whether it's on this record or on the really nice guys ep were there any particular experiences that really stood out to you that made you get really frustrated with how things go in the music industry um a lot of it is is a general like a general, general thing, scope yeah. i mean there's always been little i mean you know any time any days you know that you're dealing with a record label or of a bunch of people uh with different motives uh different levels of competency different you know it, it all just starts to kind of water down the purity of a record yeah. or you know you just being in your room making songs turns into a product and then it's just from that from day one it's like a battle sometimes uh you know and there is a lot of like give and take with you know the uh you know dealing with things like amazon or spotify like this is really good for you but also it's evil and it's you know yeah there's a lot of soul crushing stuff there um you know and, and it just keeps bringing you back to like the only thing that really matters in all of this is what you make who you make it with people around you everything else is like bullshit man it, in the in, in yeah. the industry it's like it's so backwards um it's not really conducive to being a human and that's why people are like everybody i knew before the pandemic was killing themselves on tour to survive you know all of us had lost sight of why we did this and that's kind of what the industry does um so yeah it's just it's more like a collective bigger picture thing than specific instances i mean there are plenty of those too but yeah, you seem to have like a good understanding and ability to put those things in perspective now. And I really like Can We Still Be Friends. It's another track that kind of hones in on those artificial relationships that you form. And there's a really 
pointed lyric that I think sums up the whole song is, can we still be friends now that I can't help you? And I'm curious with like a year off and being removed from touring and stuff like that, did that help you put all of these different experiences uh, in perspective a bit more? And did that, it help you understand them better now that you have a little distance from them? Absolutely. Uh, I feel I feel like it, I feel it was really empowering in a way. Like you kind of learn how to value yourself again after kind of accepting that there's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of not genuine people. Um, you know, so it kind of like beats you down to like, zero and then you got to kind of slowly build yourself back up and build yourself back up yeah especially yeah. that's like i remember the day that i wrote that song and it was like cathartic i was like it finally felt like yeah man it's you're like finally tapping into your true true honesty and like whenever i can get to that place with a song you know regardless of how bitter it is i always feel like a lot a lot better after so yeah i love please don't die a track that you described as your first attempt at a love song. What I really like about that song is how it tries to, well, it does elaborate on the kind of fear of loss that accompanies loving someone really deeply in a very organic sense, the way you describe it. You describe the feeling really in a really raw sense, a really raw and straightforward sense that conveys conveys that feeling r really, really well because it's it's something that really does come with loving someone, that fear of losing them. I was just curious, what was your intention with that song? What did you want to convey through it? Yeah, I mean, it was really a very like visceral reaction to something that happened. And then- Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, Basically, long long story short, uh, we went to visit uh, an immigration lawyer. That's where every good love song starts. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we had this meeting with them, and they gave us this really bad news that kind of yeah. you know painted a picture like, oh yeah, this is going to be a really painful process. And Kiata was so like overwhelmed by the news that she fainted on the sidewalk. Oh no! Leaving and like I had never seen someone faint before, so it it terrified me. It's scary, yeah. And my feeling when that happened, obviously she was okay, but I got home from that and I like went in the other room, and that song just kind of came out. Wow! And uh, yeah, I guess I guess the point of it is, yeah, trying to like balance those two things. Cause like you said, I mean, yeah, loving somebody does come with the the automatic fear of loss. Like that's the balance of the universe, I guess. But I think the real message in it to take is that, you know, to not take any of it for granted. So there's a little bit of light in there, even though it's kind of dark, but yeah. I also like Saturday part one and part two. Nice. They're these really minimalistic uh, diaries of your feelings where you're kind of just sing speaking your thoughts and feelings on a Saturday night spent alone where you kind of describe you want someone you your favorite singer to phone you they come over and you cook them dinner but then by the sec part two it kind of breaks down and it turns into i think one of the those you know he invites some actor friends over or something and then it just turns into this like 
show-offy type of thing where it kind of devolves, kind of building on those lyrical themes about people in the industry and stuff like that, I felt like. How'd you put that song together and uh, what inspired it? So this was during the period where I was sort of in my house, you know, for summer of 2019, self-isolation mode. And that's what it was. I was sitting in my kitchen by myself another night, uh, basically sitting in the dark. And those are the thoughts that I, like, I started kind of fantasizing about, you know, you, you're like, you're like daydreaming. And then I just like got out my, I got out the computer and I just like put, and I just kind of like put those words over it. And it's, it's the most direct thing on the whole record, which is why I really yeah. wanted to include it last minute. Because uh, it's like exactly the sort of weird, oddball fantasy daydreams I was having on a Saturday night at night sitting by myself in my house. So, yeah. It's cool because I like how it, it starts off as fantasy and then it seems to incorporate a little bit of reality <laughs> yeah. into it where, yeah. you know, now all these people come over and then you just want want to be alone again by the end. I really liked that twist with those two songs. Oh, man. Thank you. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. Sometimes when you desire something other than the situation you're in, sometimes you usually find that you kind of already had it. You were already in a good spot. And that's yeah. what you find a lot of the time. Like the grass is always greener, but no, not not necessarily. So, Why'd you decide to leave those songs with uh, just just the beat and your and your voice. Um, I thought it kind of made it funny. Like I, I I never really thought anyone would ever hear that song. Uh, I, I I don't even really know. It was more of a joke. I mean that song to me, there is a lot of humor in it. I don't know if it's clear, but it kind of makes me laugh thinking about like the delivery of it and the music is just so strange. Yeah and minimalist and that's why i just didn't touch it i was just like that's yeah. that's very real like that's how it was originally let's just keep it that way and was it originally split into two tracks or was this one track and then you decided to to split it up it was just one and then yeah i split it up um yeah you know kind of like you said how, how there's that twist yeah and it's just like you know kind of the record creating sort of like a you know a span of time and then you kind of go in and out of the the voices yeah is there any any anything to the sequence of the the record because it, it seems like it starts out a little brighter then it gets a little darker with uh please don't die saturday and then kind of bounces back a little bit what, what were you thinking as far as the sequencing of the record yeah, a lot of it was, uh, you know, just sort of observing like which ones flowed into each other yeah. better than others. But I wanted to start the record with the reverse intro because for me, it's kind of like we're winding back to the very beginning of yeah. everything. Kind of forget what you know, clean slate, and then it goes into hide, which is, you know, uh, I don't think it hurts to like open a record with, you know, a song that's you know, easy to latch on to, catchy, yeah, and then totally. kind of, that's like how I'm kind of insidious with things. I'm like, invite them in and then make a really weird turn. Originally, I had Please Don't Die second because I wrote, I wrote Please Don't Die as a song to come out of Hyde. 
but then I ended up putting it third because I was like, you know, let's just give people like a little bit more of like a similar upbeat vibe and then we'll make the weird turn. And uh, ending, and then with You Are Enough and uh, close to the end, it was like, you know, bring it back up a little bit. You know, leave people feeling a little bit triumphant or whatever. And then closing the record with All the Punks was the choice because the original version of that song closes the first record, Heavy Meta. Yeah. And I re-recorded and updated it for 2020. And I just thought it would be kind of like a cool storyline to be like, first record ends with it. Third record also ends with it, but it's sort of a new chapter of it. So, what you do when you re-recorded it? Because I could hear I could hear the differences, but I'm curious as to why specifically you decided to re-record it, and what was different in terms of your approach. So, there was a moment during the quarantine period where I finally picked up an instrument and was playing through songs and. Kiara and I were actually like playing. I was showing her some, you know, how to play some stuff. And when we played all the punks, I had a moment where I realized that almost everything that I said in the song, which was written six years ago, came true this year in kind of a weird wow. parallel way. And that's when I kind of had a moment where I said, you know, holy shit, we're kind of living the reality of this song right now. Uh, why don't I expand on it and like add an extra verse at the end about 2020 and maybe I should re-record it um, in, in you know the, the, the heavy meta version is very minimalist I was like why don't we add some drums bass guitar but then uh, I added saxophone and you know sort of you know and some weird samples electro drums they kind of like give the song life again because it's one of my favorite songs, I guess, in all, if I had to pick one in like all the songs I have. And I feel like at the time with the first record, it didn't really, no one really heard it. So it's like, let's give it another chance and, you know, let's update it and, and, and highlight it again. So yeah, and, and the saxophone on the record, the, the cool story behind that is this high school kid, uh, her name is Rachel Antone from Chicago. She just sent me a message on Instagram Wow. random person she's like hey i really like your music uh i play saxophone um if you ever want to play or record like i would love to and i was like well hey why don't i just send her some tracks and see what she does and i sent her the bounce of that and she recorded something sent it back to me i dropped it in i was like this sounds awesome let's keep it and it's the first record <laughs> she's never played on a record before i didn't ever hear her play before that and uh i don't know just like a cool little cool little moment Rachel, how about that? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Rachel ripping on the record. <laughs> That's really right. cool. Rachel, high school student, saxophone ripper from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. She's on this record. Yeah. She must be thrilled about that. That's amazing. <laughs> she was so excited. Uh, I sent her the record um, a couple of weeks ago. She's like, oh my God, like my first... It's like that's so cool man. And I don't know that just is like that's inspiring to me like, like seeing somebody feel you know there's so many jaded musicians out there and to see this you know she's pumped yeah that's in, it's it's cool because you probably both inspired each other you you definitely inspired her and it sounds like she also ins inspired you by the fact that she reached out to you and you're able to collaborate so that's a beautiful yeah. beautiful thing yeah, yeah it's good how would you compare yourself as a songwriter from heavy meta to now i know you've changed a lot 
uh, on a personal level through your life. What would you see as the, the differences over the course of that four to five year period? Um, the biggest difference, uh, I guess, I guess worldview wise, Heavy Meta was very angry at the world, very external looking, like critical of society and humanity and like all of its problems. And, you know, that was in a worldview that was drastically different, but sonically too, you know, a lot of my influence from that time was like, you know, the late seventies, like proto-punk era and early garage and the musically those that that stuff is really pretty simple uh one two three chords you know pretty standard progressions fuzz distortion um and so i think song wise it was very bare bones and simple like musically and then paired with like sort of that aggressive worldview and now it's kind of like the worldview is a lot more upbeat and brighter and more internal looking and i think musically a lot more complex like i'm kind of working with a lot more like jazzier chords and you know experimenting with getting out of just like the one four five e d g shit um and for me that's a lot more fulfilling because you can kind of get yeah. tired of playing the same the same stuff so yeah there's there's moments on this record where i've like talked about going full jazz but there's some weird chords and stuff on this record that i didn't even know before i made this record so it's a cool very adventurous sounding record that everybody's gonna love i love it for sure thank you <laughs> i also really like uh, caroline rose's remix of you're not enough because she really <laughs> did this like darker sounding techno version of the track how'd that remix come about and what'd you think of her interpretation of this song um so it came about i've known caroline for many years we've been friends uh and we're also label mates now and you know we always kept in touch and there's always been you know ways where we've like tried to find a way to collaborate and with this i wanted to do the, do the remix series and i immediately thought of her and yeah when she originally told me her idea she picked you enough and she's like, I think I want to do sort of a Berlin techno. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and she sent me some samples. I was like, yo, you do your thing. I trust you. I can't <laughs> see it. I cannot see it at all, but go for it. I'm excited to hear what you do. And then she sent it and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's pretty much the exact opposite of the original. And I think in that way, it's pretty beautiful. So, yeah. Uh are there any other remixes on the horizon? Yeah. So the first one we did was uh, an LA-based artist named Boyo did uh, a remix of Hyde. And then the band Sports is doing a remix of Can We Still Be Friends? It's going to come out in the middle of April. And then I'm talking with Brittany Howard about doing a remix. And I don't know what song. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, fingers crossed. I'm hoping, uh, you know, I know she's got a lot going on right now, but I hope she can kind of find the time to, to try to do that over the next month or two. That would sound unreal. Yeah. I can't. I hope that happens. I'm sure she would be able to do a really interesting sounding remix of this yes. song from this record. Let's manifest so. it. Yeah. Yeah, let's send it into the universe, yes. dude. Yes. 
two galas meeting via the internet are manifesting this. Yes. So that yes. Brittany Howard will do a remix of a song on piecemeal. Hell yeah. I feel like it's going to happen. I think now. so too. I think so too. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the uh, crossword puzzle in the inner sleeve of the record. Why, why'd you put that in there? And do you regularly do crossword puzzles? And if you do, do you have any friendly advice for anyone trying to complete the crossword puzzle? So the crossword puzzle idea came in really, really last minute. Um, I did all of the album artwork and then I didn't like it very close to when I had to hand it in. So I scrapped it all. And that's when I got the idea for the crossword and I got it from on the front cover of the record, there actually is a crossword from like a magazine I had on the table, which that day I think I was doing the crossword. So it just got me thinking, which is a question I've asked myself a lot lately, like how to make people give a shit about a new record, uh, you know, in the times that we're in and how much stuff comes out there. So I was like, I'm gonna include a crossword because it's gonna force people to have to listen intently closely, and yeah. listen closely. And, uh, yeah, so I just kind of made it. I found like a crossword generator and I just made it about all the lyrics and stuff on the record. And I love me a good crossword. It's been a while, but I don't have any advice because I'm not particularly good at them. <laughs> but with this one, all you got to do is listen. So that's uh, that's my advice is listen to this record closely. Listen closely. A lot of good stuff going on. A lot of cool lyrics as well. What's in store for you for the rest of uh, 2021 before we play some songs from the record? Um, tell us, what, what do you have going on the, the rest of the year? So the only real plan I have is to, when Kiata gets her, her permission from the U.S. government to leave the country, we're going to immediately travel back to, to Italy so she can see her family and we can spend a good portion of time there, probably over the summer. And uh, right before that, we're talking about doing a couple, maybe May time around there, doing some outdoor, socially distanced, sort of sporadic pop-up shows in the U.S. And then we'll go over there, spend the summer in Italy, maybe do a couple similar style shows. And, uh, you know, we'll probably come back in early fall and then we're working on a November tour, which is, you know, you book a tour these days, you don't know if it's going to happen, but this is the yeah. most hopeful anyone's been in a very long time. So if all goes according to plan, we'll be, you know, doing the full U.S. loop, maybe go down to Mexico. Uh, and that's really all I got. I mean, day to day, day by day, I guess. Tell me about a really nice dot world how'd you launch that what's it all about and th there's like a clothing line too or yeah uh it, it's i started it um when i was over in italy in fall 2019 i just felt really alien i didn't know what i was doing with myself and so i started the site as just kind of a i don't even know like a, some kind of creative outlet just a place to put like shit that i liked or write my thoughts out or my rants and then during the pandemic time i've had a lot more time on my hands so turned into a digital festival i ran it for nine weeks really nice fest and then finally had time to launch the clothesline portion of it which is something i've wanted to do for years and i'm really excited about that got like a pretty good collection size collection of items in the shop now and it just 
it keeps evolving and growing and I want to keep building that up. So, yeah, that's really cool. What, what inspires you as far as designing clothing? Do you have anyone you look to for specific inspiration in designing things or, uh, stuff like that? Um, a lot of it is just kind of my own little weird thoughts throughout the day. And then kind of nice. my very DIY approach to graphic design. And then I just sort of go on Photoshop, like make something real quick. And then I put it up for sale like 20 minutes after I thought of it, which is, that's, that's kind of the process. But aesthetically wise, I mean, you know, there's lots of like cool streetwear brands and stuff. I especially am drawn to like, you know, companies like Lazy O for Golf Wang, Tyler, the creator, yeah. um, you know, the worlds of colors and aesthetics that they use that are like vibrant and childlike and color block and sort of, you know, that's, that's the stuff that I love. Um, and those are a couple of examples of, of inspirations for sure. It's cool. Everyone, you could check it out at really nice dot world. Now we're going to play some songs from Piecemeal. Again, everyone, you can get your own copy of Piecemeal. It's out now on limited edition green vinyl via New West Records. Get your hands on it at rongallo.bandcamp.com. We're going to hear Hide Myself Behind You. Please don't die. And can we still be friends? I just hope that you can 
having their chest brushing your shoulder in the train station while you're wearing my favorite dress.
We're back, everyone. We just heard three songs from Ron Gallo's brand new record, Piecemeal. We heard Hide Myself Away From You, Please Don't Die, and Can We Still Be Friends. Again, everyone, you could get yourself a copy of the album on limited edition green vinyl via rongallo.bandcamp.com. All right, now... Ron picked some records from my record collection, and we're going to talk about them, starting with Why Did We Ever Meet by The Promise Ring off of Nothing Feels Good. One of the best records, probably one of my favorite records of second wave Midwest emo. I really, really like this band and this record. I'm curious about, because I learned today, I thought you were a little younger than me, but we're about the same age, Mm -hmm. uh, like 33-ish. And I remember discovering and getting into second wave emo kind of through third wave emo first. I'm wondering if you had the same experience. Definitely. Um, I mean, we're both from Jersey, uh, you know, the birthplace. And when I was in high school, there was a lot of that stuff in the local scene um i remember bands like up up down down left right left right ba start and the progress and like sort of this little scene of of bands that were sort of pulling from those bands and then uh, yeah you kind of trace it back and and that around that same time i discovered like captain jazz promise ring yeah all that j tree shit and it's awesome yeah yeah were you in any email bands in in high school Yes, uh, I was in two. My my first ever band when I was sixteen. We were terrible. We we never actually even we played one show at a batting cage. We were called Crush the Skyline, and we were nice. sort of like, dude, that's so two thousand four emo. Oh name. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was the year. And then my <laughs> my second band. That band evolved into we were called Exchange Route, and we were sort of more like synth screamo. Uh, you know math rock kind of combo yes totally. uh, and that was that was my beginnings awesome did you ever play at hamilton street cafe oh that sounds really familiar the the other one in north jersey because i'm from north jersey is bloomfield ave cafe do you remember that place i remember that places? name i don't know if i ever got to yeah. play there though yeah those were like I think they had the same owner, but one of them was in further south in New Jersey, and Bloomfield Ave Cafe was in Montclair, up by where where I grew up. Okay, so, we never got yeah. that far. We, that would have been like a big tour for us to go up to north, to <laughs> yeah. north, to North Jersey. Um, you know, if we played in a different town, it was like a big deal. I think. I'm straight by the modern lovers off of their self-titled. I love Jonathan Richmond. You ever see Jonathan Richmond live in the last five years? He is so interesting and kind of crazy in the live setting or how quiet the shows are. Literally, you can hear a pin drop a lot of the time. And he kind of just goes through the whole set, doesn't really 
talk between songs and stuff, but still keeps it light and funny. Yeah, I've seen him three times in the last few. I've not missed a chance. I saw him twice in Nashville and once in Lancaster, PA. Um, yeah, he, Jonathan Richmond is an absolute hero of mine. And exactly like you just said, the show is just, you're like ear to ear grinning the entire time. Uh, and it's not like anything you've ever seen. It feels like it's yeah. completely off the cuff in the moment. There's no structure to it. It's almost like he's making it up all the songs on the spot, um, you know, with, with Tommy, the drummer, who's like the opposite of him personality-wise. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. It's it's the best. No one in the world should ever miss a Jonathan Richmond show. And tell me a little bit about why you picked this song, Up Straight. Yeah, I just think this song is really, really funny. I found a lot of humor in, in the delivery and just like his his view on stuff and how direct he is and almost like childlike uh that intro is just so it's just so good i can't even explain yeah. it it's its own thing and you know it's hard for me to pick a song from that record or really from any of his but that one particularly on like the the jonathan richmond sense of humor in the darkness that I find that's like the ultimate Hippie Johnny Look I had a call up and say I wanna take his place See he's stoned Hippie Johnny Now get this I'm straight And I want to take his place now, Next look, getting like a little jazzy John Coltrane acknowledgement yeah, I uh, I've taken a lot of Coltrane influence um, for a pretty good period of time now. Just as a as an artist, as a human, the way that he kind of approached music and what he thought the purpose of music was in the world, especially with this record, um, you know, just sort of like an ode to like his spiritual journey and and everything. I just think it's it's incredible. It's genius. I mean, obviously, it's a love supreme. It's, you know, it's a classic. But I, uh, on Stardust Birthday Party, there is a song called Love Supreme Work Together. And it's a direct ode to Coltrane's Love Supreme. And it's just kind of a song about, you know, everything kind of being one thing and working together. And um, there's a bridge in the song where I actually call, like, yell out each part, part one through four of this record. So... You know, I'm not free jazz yet fully, which maybe I will in the next few years. But, um, you know, I'm trying to let the Coltrane, you know, message filter in. Next. Avant Gardner by Courtney Barnett off of double EP of Split Peas. She is just such a witty lyricist, especially on this song is such a great example of what a great lyricist she is. Yeah, I picked this song because, well, two reasons. It's the first song that I heard from the radio that immediately like 
grabbed me and kind of blew my mind. Um, it was, I heard the song on XPN in Philly right when it first came out. And I never do that with radio. Usually I turn it on and I turn it back off like five seconds after because I'm just like, I'm already done with it. But my intro to her was just like, what the fuck am I listening to right now? And part two of that is that Courtney Barnett, Avant Gardner, which is the first time I've probably given this credit where I do, my song, Young Lady, You're Scaring Me, would not exist without Courtney Barnett, Avant Gardner. Because after the first time I heard it, I the way that I took influence from that was, I was like, I'm not going to be afraid to cram all a lot of words in the small spaces. And yeah. that's where, that's like what kind of gave me the push to write that song, or at least my approach to that song. So that's a big one. I had to include it. Totally. Have you ever crossed paths with her on the festival circuit or anything like that? The last show of tour, um, you know, before I sort of took a break was in Italy at a festival called Beaches Brew. And we played right before her on the beach. And uh, we got to hang and talk a little bit. I She played after we played. And you're talking about like this was the end of a four-year tour for me. So I was just yeah. there side stage watching Courtney Barnett. I was eating a Piadina, which is like an amazing Italian flatbread sandwich. And I had Prosecco and Chiara. And I was just like on the beach. I'm like, this is heaven right now. So, yeah, it's such a nice moment. <laughs> yeah, but we crossed paths in Italy of all places um, directly. I mean, I'm sure we've been on the same bills and stuff before, but yeah. That's cool because she seems like a very nice, down-to-earth, cool person. Totally. All of a sudden, I'm having trouble breathing in. I'm having trouble breathing in. I'm having trouble breathing in. referenced Brittany Howard earlier and now we're going to talk about her record Jamie a little more particularly the song 13th Century Metal. This is one of my favorite records of the last few years. It's yes. incredible yep. and it's cool how I was listening to an interview with her recently and one of the questions was you know, what was it like? You're the front person of this really great well-known successful band like what's it like like going solo and it's got to be intimidating a little bit but she really knocked it out of the park you know that being in a band like alabama shakes that's so uh, well known and respected you know you kind of have that shadow hanging over you afterwards but this record is incredible yeah it, it's amazing uh it, it, <laughs> i almost feel like for me piecemeal is like the poor man's version of what jamie is because when i listen to her record i feel like we were both pulling from the same parts of ourself and a lot of the same influences but she really did it up because she collaborated with um robert glasper and uh, a couple other like incredible modern jazz guys which i can't really afford or have like the reach to do but she like went all in on the jazz. Um, you know, with this song, I picked this one because the the spoken word, like poetry approach, which is like something I explored for the first time on this record. She like crushes it on this song in particular. 
And then she's got, you know, poppier stuff, R&B stuff. And I sort of feel like in a way, um, her going solo and kind of where I'm going now, it's kind of like we're on a similar wavelength. And I think that's why I'm really drawn to this record. Not aside from being great, but uh, yeah, yeah, similar. Yeah, exploring different genres, not letting yourself get pigeonholed, really, which is something you definitely do on piecemeal. You're really spreading your wings as far as style styles and influences and stuff and she does the same thing as well yeah, on, yeah. on this record absolutely Then, last one, Babies Wearing Blue Jeans by Mac DeMarco off of Rock and Roll Nightclub. I think my favorite of his releases, because it's definitely the weirdest, I love his singing voice on this record, <laughs> like the way he, he sings on this record compared to his other record records. And I like basically everything he's put out, but this, this one definitely holds a special place in, in my heart for its weirdness. Yeah, I... Uh... This I picked this song because for Kiara and I, um, it's been it's been a very big song because we've had to do a lot of uh, flying over the last few years, like you know, flying away from each other, back to each other, across the ocean, and so what she had never really been on an airplane until this, till we met each other. So I would. Because that record is hilarious, and we both bonded yeah. over the humor behind Rock and Roll Nightclub, um, I would always send her this song to listen to when she was taken off on the plane, just so she, you know you feel light, you can laugh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love I love this record. I mean, I, I love them all. Um, but yeah, this this Rock and Roll Nightclub in particular is is kind of like it really hits like my sense of humor spot where I'm like, yeah, man, I get like, I just get yeah. it. And, uh, yeah, the pitch, like the pitched voice, you know, the, the radio interludes. I'm like, yeah, the radio interludes are great. Really yeah. bizarre and funny. Yeah. You listen to it. I'm like, shit, you just feel like you're cut from the same cloth because it's just like your brains work so similarly. And I think that's why I'm drawn to a lot of what he does. And, Obviously, I mean, he's inspired like such a ridiculous wave of carbon copies and yeah. influence culture in a way that I don't even think it's like so far removed from from him at this point. It's, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. How'd you uh, meet your meet your wife? Uh, so the first time I was ever in Italy, it was uh, June 2018. Um, it was for an, uh, just an Italian tour. It was like a week and a half all Italy and we had a show get canceled and so we had this off day and our tour manager said he's like I have some friends from the UK playing a beach venue uh, 30 minutes from our show the next night how you guys you guys want to go spend our off day at this place for like that sounds incredible so we go um, it's a place called Hanabi in Ravenna and walked in and like a couple minutes after, I saw this girl from across the way with like this bright orange hair. It was actually like in slow motion. Wow. And I talked to the drummer and I was like, 
you know, I told her that I like, you know, I saw, I noticed, per- I had no intention of talking to her. I'm in a foreign country. I'm been there for two <laughs> days. Uh, but then like an hour passes and I see the drummer, my drummer talking to her because he's like the social butterfly of the band. And they were talking about a photo she took of him. Um, so I like run up and I was like, hi, I'm, I'm Ron. And I had, she said, hi. And then her name, but I had no idea what she said. What she said. <laughs> um, and I was like, nice to meet you. And then I kind of ran away. And then um, that's how we met. And then our drummer, he like invited her to our show, which I never would have had the courage to do. But uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I'll come check it out, I guess. And then we got to hang a little bit more. And then I just randomly invited her to my dad's place. He has a place in Italy. And she, like, I just. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, she was leaving. And I was like, hi, do you want to come? do you want to come hang out with me at my dad's house? I'm going to be there on vacation next week. Like it just came out uh, fearlessly, which is not like me. And she was like, yeah, I would love to. And then it happened and we've been together ever since. It was just like a very ridiculous, weird, universal thing. Very beautiful uh, origin story for your relationship. That's really amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. everyone we're coming to the end of this edition of look at my records real quick though you just mentioned that you were visiting your dad's house in italy are you first generation italian american Uh, did your parents immigrate from italy they didn't um their parents no actually i think it was their their grandparents yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah, same. my parents, grandparents. Yeah, uh, came here. Yeah. yeah. Man, dude, we got a lot in common. We really do, what man. <laughs> Age, location, roots, Gen. name. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Yeah, that's why. Everyone, you can order Ron's new record piecemeal on limited edition green vinyl. It's out now via New West Records, and you could get that at rongallo.bandcamp.com. It was so cool uh, talking with you, man. It's a real pleasure. Um, your new record is awesome, and um, yeah, it's cool to hear everything going well for you right now with the release with your uh, marriage so i'm very happy for you man thank you trying trying to keep the spirits lifted and there's a lot to be hopeful and excited about so yeah it's all good man i really this is great talk i really appreciate you having me oh anytime man and we're gonna end today's episode with the aforementioned New version of All the Punks Are Domesticated.
are behind the bar Serving computers with acoustic guitars It's a travesty Rock and roll matinee Songs about sunny days Or love in a pretty way is uniform All of our food is mostly chloroform It's not even a secret It's easily accessible Just like anything on the planet And no one really minds It's just a sign of the times To numb your dime a dozen mine In a world that gave everyone a voice We have no other choice We're all so important Tell me about yourself Tell me about yourself Tell me about yourself Okay, I will Generations. What will have been my big mark? A couple little tears dangling in the dark. An impressive collection of digital remarks. An apple falls at the park where your body lay. It's just another day Where all cops are hired to serve and protect scared white people in nice neighborhoods Always read the small print All the people with power are psychopaths They refuse to wear a mask because they know they're already wearing like 50 of them And the most violent people are the most terrified Jesus was not white with blue eyes America's built on genocide The protesters did not start the fire I know I'm probably preaching to the choir But the topic of life should never be political It's the one thing we all have in common And on your deathbed you won't be proud of what you earned Or the hurt you caused You'll remember when your heart was soft And things these days they feel fully backwards insane But maybe it's just growing pains I wrote this song six years ago and it all came true I guess whatever you think about eventually becomes you. All of the punks are domesticated. All of the freaks have gone to bed.